Amen. Amen. Come on, uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your warts will be bursting with wine. This year, you know, we've, we've themed this year as the year of overflow. And the word that we received from the Lord was from Psalm 65 verse 11. That you have been crowned you know, God has crowned this year with goodness and it will overflow in abundance, right? And one of the verses, when I was looking for overflow, one of the verses was also this, Proverbs 3, which says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your barns will overflow. Say with me, overflow. Okay? And your warts will be bursting with wine now one thing about the overflowing blessing of god is if you want to experience the overflowing blessing it needs to flow if it doesn't flow you won't see the overflowing blessing it needs to flow so you want to see the overflowing healing of god it needs to flow Overflowing in your finances and resources, it needs to flow. When God took the Israelites out of Egypt, He took them into the land flowing with milk and honey. Flowing. What does flowing mean? That no matter how much you use today for your needs, it will keep flowing. Overflowing begins when you believe in your heart that you have a God who has blessed you with a flow. And it will keep flowing. But if you want to see overflow, you have to open your hearts to let it overflow. I'm saying it applies to every aspect of your life. From healing, finances, life, Emotions, relationships, every area of your life that you allow to flow, that you allow God to flow, you will see the overflowing in abundance. In abundance. So since we are declaring that this is the year of overflow, it begins by us taking the step of faith in saying, let it flow. So that we will see the overflow. Does that make sense? This verse, honor the Lord with your first fruits. First fruits, firstborn, and tithe. They're, they're the same concept. First fruit is the first fruits that you have out of your vegetation and your produce. Firstborn is the firstborn of your cattle. And tithe is the first portion of your money, finances. They all three things are the same concept. It's the same concept. What's the concept? The concept is, just, just think about it. A farmer had the firstborn from his sheep. So he takes the firstborn, the lamb, 
the first one that the sheep produced, right? He takes the lamb and he gives to the temple, saying, God, I honor you with my firstborn, not knowing that if the sheep will produce it again. But he says, I honor you with this firstborn because I believe that you will provide again. So honoring God with our firstborn, first fruit and tithe is faith. Is faith. That we are trusting in the overflow of your abundance. That even when we give right now, and I don't have anything, but I give believing that you will do it again. And it will overflow. That's why we return our tithes. We don't pay tithes. We return our tithes. We don't even give tithes because tithes don't belong to us. We return our tithes. Saying, God, this is yours. I return to you because I believe I can do much more in the rest than I can do much more in the 100%. It's an act of faith. Honoring God with our first fruit, with our firstborn, with our first, with our tithe is an act of faith. Saying that even when I don't see it, even when I don't see it right now in the natural, I believe that you have the capacity to overflow in my life. Okay, that's why on Feb 5th, we are taking the first fruits offering. First fruits offering is not like the usual offering that we take. We want all of us in the church to be intentional about what you give. To be intentional, intentional. You know, when, when you love somebody, the intention behind that giving matters. The price of that doesn't matter as, as much as that intention matters. You can probably get them something very cheap, but the intention, oh, you remembered. Have you ever felt that? That intention matters, right? So when we honor the Lord, again, I'm not saying it's not about the volume, it's about your intention. You honor the Lord with your first fruits. You honor the Lord with your finances is because we are setting our intention right. Lord, I honor you because I know it will flow again. And it will flow in abundance. Okay? So which is the date? 5th of February. Okay? So be prepared. I'm telling you in advance so that you can be prepared. You know, Paul told uh, the people in Corinthians, he said, I'm telling you in advance so that you will prepare yourself. It will not be like, oh, today is the first fruit offering. Don't do that. Prepare yourself. We are telling you one month in advance we've been telling you so that you'll prepare yourself. See, when you go to meet the king, you don't take your wallet then and there and see what do I have. When you go and meet the king, you're prepared. Yes. Preparation. It is when you give our charity... Huh? When you're giving to a beggar is when you look into your wallet and you see what you have. You're not prepared. It's out of charity. You don't give to the Lord out of charity. You give to the Lord out of honor. So when you honor, come prepared. Are you getting this? It's a principle. It is a principle. See, there, there's... The, we, we have a... When, when, I, when we were talking about... When we were teaching about giving, we had a person in the church who said... You know, all this while, I've been giving. 
and I've been giving more than my tithe, and I realized why I'm not blessed. And I said, why, why aren't you blessed? She said, because I gave out of charity. I gave out of pity. Oh, maybe the church needs my finances, and that's why I gave. The church doesn't need your finances. God also doesn't need your finances. You give because you are blessed. You give because you honor God. Okay? So it is out of our honor for God, for the King of Kings, that we don't come empty-handed. We give something of value that is of us. That's why King David said, how can I not give something that does not cost me anything? That woman who gave her two mites costed her everything. But Jesus, sitting there, could have said, oh, why are you giving? Don't give. He could have said that, right? But he didn't do that. He allowed her to give. Why? Because giving is a blessing. So I don't want to take that away from you and shy away from not Saying, don't be prepared. I want to say, be prepared, be intentional, bring your best. Because it's a blessing for you. And you will see the abundance of God, finances and resources overflowing in your life. Amen. Amen. This is a testimony of our church. We have seen it time and time again. That whenever we have given out of our hearts opened, God has blessed us again and again. And I'm telling you, this is just the beginning. God has so much more. God has so much more. Amen? <laughs> India will be an overflowing nation. Will be. Amen? We do believe it. Why? Because the God who has done it in other nations can also do it here. Amen? Okay, come on. Uh, turn with me to... S uh, where do we go? <laughs> it's not happening <laughs> Exodus chapter 14 Exodus chapter 14 Exodus chapter 14 from verse 11 okay Exodus chapter 14 verse 11 to verse 12 they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This is a conversation that is happening with Moses and his people. Moses has just got the Israelites out of Egypt. And in front of them is the Red Sea. And behind are the army of the Egyptians who are chasing them and who are there to kill them. And now these people are frustrated. They see no hope. And they are telling Moses, they're complaining to Moses, is this why you brought us here? So that we could die here? We could have died there. We could have served them. We could have, we could have died there. Do you know about 2 million people who left Egypt, they went into the wilderness, 
almost 10 to 11 days of journey to the promised land that God was taking them, only two made it. Out of the two million people, two made it. That's not even tithe. It's not even 10% of the entire population. It's so powerful. All the people whom God brought out of Egypt, all of them received the promise of the Lord that they will enter the promised land. Isn't it true? All of them received the promise, but only two entered. Think about it. Only two entered. And here they are complaining, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. And look at how Moses responds, okay? Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. This is one thing that I want to tell you. When, when you think that you have been sandwiched between problems, stand firm. Stand firm. When you think all around you, you have problems, there's no way to move, stand firm. What did Paul tell Christians in Ephesians 6? You do not fight against flesh and blood. You fight against principalities. Stand firm. Hold your ground. Stand firm. Have you seen in any battle where people fight by just standing firm? They move. But Moses says the least that you can do right now is stand firm and Look at this. He says, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. Can I say something? Before you see the miracle of God, before you see God's mighty working hand, you will always see in, in the Bible, either it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, people spoke. The word comes before the miracle happens. So Moses says, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. So Moses is saying, hey, stand firm. You will see God's salvation. And what did he say? For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Man. For the Egyptians you will see today, you shall never see again. Do you recall in the Bible, after this incident, that the Egyptians coming and defeating Israelites throughout the Bible? And the Egyptians were very powerful. They were technologically advanced. They had a lot of money. They had everything that any nation would desire. Well, look at, look at this. Moses says, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Why? The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. Moses is telling, the best you can do in this situation is at least shut up. Don't talk nonsense. That's the best you can do. Because most of us, when we see mountains, we speak mountain. <laughs> oh, my leg pain. Everything is bad. It's so cold. 
Delhi is polluted. The AQI is 400 above. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. You don't tell the mountain its size. You speak to the mountain. Amen? So speak to the mountain. Here Moses is saying the best you can do is shut up, stand firm, and see how God is delivering you. Look at the next verse. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Wow. Why do you cry to me? Have you guys ever felt or experience this, that you are praying, Lord, I'm praying for this mountain to go. I'm praying for this big challenge to leave. And the Lord says, why are you crying? Have you felt that? Because Jesus said, don't pray when you see the mountain. What should you do? Speak to the mountain. Christians know to pray when they see a mountain. And sadly, that's the only time when they pray. Oh, I saw a mountain, I need to pray. Oh, at least now I need to pray. It's a great motivation for me to pray. I'm not getting married, so I need to pray. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, show me that person. Show me signs and wonders. Speak to the mountain. You don't tell the mountain its size. You don't tell the mountain how hard it is. You just speak to the mountain. What do you speak? Be lifted up and be cast into the sea. You speak to the mountain. That's why God says, God tells Moses, why do you cry to me? Why are you crying? See, God does not have a problem in you crying, but understand this. God has given you the power. God has given you the blessing so that you can possess the mountain. So when you cry, you're not really operating in the identity that God has already given you. My short answer for why 2 million people could not possess and only 2 possessed was these 2 million people were slaves in Egypt. For 430 years they were slaves. And slaves don't have a mindset to possess. The mindset had to change. That's why the entire generation died in the wilderness and it was the next generation that could possess. Only two. Only two. Caleb and Joshua who stayed on God's word and changed their mindset to overcome. A lot of times we don't possess what God has already given to us is because of this mindset. And that mindset only changes when we stay on God's word. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by prayer. Prayer can become a fertile place for the word to grow, go in. But it doesn't just happen by praying. You need to stand on the word of God. That's why Paul said in Romans 12 verse 2, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may test and discern that the will of God is good, pleasing and perfect. Can I tell you good news? God's will for your life at any given point is good, pleasing and perfect. Yes. 
So if you don't feel that right now what you're facing is not good, is not pleasing, is not perfect, it's not God's fault. It's your fault because your mind is not renewed. Your mind is not aligned to what God has for you. It's the word that aligns our mind to God's mind. If we pray in, in an effort to twist God's arm, it's never going to work. We don't pray to twist God's arm. We pray so that our minds are aligned with God's mind. Because God's heart for me is always good, is always pleasing, it's always perfect. There's no doubt about that. God does not need repentance. I need repentance. So God already told them, hey, I'm taking you out of Egypt. This is the land that I'm giving you, the land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm telling you, you can possess it. You can possess it. But these people, they had that slave mindset. Why would we go to the land, fight the giants? I'm comfortable serving here. You know what's a slave mindset? A slave mindset is your comfort zone. Why should I push myself? Why should I get better in my technical skills? Or why should I, why should I learn something? It's a comfort zone that we have built. I'm happy, I'm okay. I'm content. Don't, don't use contentment as an excuse for complacency. You're not content, you're complacent. Because if God is working in you, you will only go up, 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 up. Can I tell you this? If your last year is, is the same as you are this year, something is absolutely wrong. Because the Lord says, the blessing of the Lord will come upon you and will take you up and you shall not go down. If you're staying there, that means you are stagnant, you are backsliding. Backsliding doesn't mean going down. Backsliding just means that you're staying there, you're stagnant, you're in the wilderness. And I want to encourage you. If you stay on God's word, you shall go up. You shall go up. You shall go up. I know so many people whose, how they began last year was so different from how they ended. I know people whom I can't even recognize. This is how you were last year. I can't believe, man, God is so good. He can change you. And I'm saying God's goodness can change everything that we have. Not just our personality, but our emotions, our finances, our resources can change everything. And it has to change. Your life cannot be the same. It has to change. Amen? If your faith, I heard this from somebody, I don't know who. If your faith does not have evidence, then your faith is fake. Your faith will have evidence. We'll have evidence. We'll have tangible evidence. Look where I was. How did I begin three years ago? Look where I am today. 
God has definitely blessed me. You will have tangible evidence to say, I did not do this on my own. This has to be God. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, meaning I, I was supposed to get a promotion after two years. Not, not those things. This was absolutely God. Sammy said he got promoted twice. Twice? Twice last year. Doesn't happen in his company. The company does not have a policy to promote him. Why? God. You will have testimonies which you will say that, yeah, maybe it happened because it was natural. No, not natural growth, supernatural growth. Because the word that is in you will take you up. Okay, so out of two million people, only two possessed. Why? Because only two stayed on the promises of God. Now, come with me. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now the story is, Moses sends 12 spies to spy the land. Now they come back and 10 spies give a bad report. And 2 spies give a good report. Who are those 2 spies? Joshua and Caleb. What are the 10 spies saying? The 10 spies are saying, yes the land is flowing with milk honey. That is true. The land is great. But the people who, who are there are strong. The cities are fortified. But look at Caleb. What does he say? Verse 30, okay? Jump with me to verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Look at that attitude. He's not scared of the giants. He saw the giants too. He saw the fortified cities too. But he says, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. See, he does not just say that God will overcome it. He says we are well able to overcome it. Okay? Next verse, verse 31. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the peoples that we saw in it are of great height and there we saw the nephilims and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seemed to them did you notice none of the giants said that you are a grasshopper none of the giants said you're a grasshopper they felt in their own sight when they saw themselves, they thought that they were grasshoppers. God did not say that they were grasshoppers. The enemy did not say they were grasshoppers. They themselves saw that they were grasshoppers. But here Joshua and Caleb, they're like, let's go at once. Let's go at once. Can I say this? If God 
If God gives you a word to possess the land of the giants, just imagine the kind of abundance that God has for you. Because giants don't live in tiny homes. Giants live in big homes. Giants need a lot of resources, more than you need. So if God is asking you to possess the land of the giants, just imagine the upgrade that is happening in your life. Yeah. Next chapter, Numbers chapter 14, verse 2 to 3. See, see the people. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So even though God brought them out of Egypt, Egypt has not really gone out of them. They're constantly wanting to go back to Egypt because Egypt was comfortable. Was comfortable. At least we know. At least it's a 9 to 5 job. I just need to slog. Yeah, my Sundays are gone. So what? It becomes a comfortable zone. You would rather strive than be in the wilderness where you don't know what is happening tomorrow. Right? I would rather strive knowing what my tomorrow holds than being in the wilderness. I don't know. Where is God taking me? Maybe in that direction. I don't know. But I am eating manna today. Yeah. <laughs> my today is provided for. I'm having great water. My clothes are not wearing out. But because tomorrow looks uncertain, yeah. right? I would rather choose Egypt. That's why we put faith in God and His Word. So that we don't focus on tomorrow's uncertainty. We focus on the certainty of God's Word. So that God's Word becomes our reality. Okay, come back. Numbers 14, verse 7. And said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. Listen to this. For they are bread for us. The giant that you see, the mountain that you face is bread. Is bread. Is bread. When you stay in God's word, when you stay in his promises, without being afraid of your experiences and not letting your experience define the word, you can speak like this. Oh, that... My car got broken. My car got hit by another truck. Maybe new car. Christina got hit by a scooter. And we can sit and analyze why it happened when we spoke God's blessing, God's protection. But I want to believe this is an upgrade. Amen. But God is not just doing something 
crazy and miraculous in her life, but he's doing something in our hearts as well. Why? Because we believe in a God of goodness. That we shall only go up. The mountains that you see, the giants that you face are bread. They are bread for you. You know, would you, would you rather face ants whom you'll just finish it maybe even if they're bread to you, how much time will it take? Or would you face a giant who becomes a bread? You can keep feeding on till the next giant comes. Look at their attitude. They say, do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. The protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. So do not fear them. Now God gets really angry. Okay? Now this is how God responds. Verse 22. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. How many times they have tested the Lord? Ten times. They saw the signs, they saw the wonders. Signs and wonders do not build your faith. They do not. They might, they might be a hook to bring you into faith, but they do not really build your faith. These people saw signs and wonders. They saw crazy stuff. Pillar of fire, cloud. They saw angels. They saw God, you know, uh, helping them to defeat their enemies. They saw Red Sea parted. They saw all kinds of crazy things, but it did not build their faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Joshua and Caleb stayed on faith, stayed in the faith because they kept, they kept hearing the promises of God. If God has said it, it will happen. So stay on God's word. See, you know, I think it was Brother Kenneth Hagin who said, we miss the supernatural because we are pursuing the spectacular. Especially in our context, a lot of believers run after signs and wonders. I'm nothing against signs and wonders. But that does not build your faith. Signs and wonders don't build your faith. Miracles are not God's plan A for you. God did miracles in the wilderness. But that was not God's plan A. God's plan A was the promised land flowing with milk and honey. Blessings are God's plan A for you. When God created man and woman, he blessed them. So if you're still hoping for miracles to happen, something is wrong. I'll tell you why. Because miracles happen in time of crisis. Crisis. And we need miracles. I'm not saying we, we should negate miracles at all. We need miracles because they help us in times of crisis. So if you're living a life that moves from one miracle to another, that means you're moving from one crisis to another. Do you want to live such a life moving from one crisis to another? Or you want to live a life Moving from blessing to blessing. Amen. Blessing to blessing. Amen. Blessings are permanent. Yes. They remain in your life. But it takes time to grow in them for them to manifest. Miracles happens just like that. They are short-lived. They happen and they leave. You know, there was a report that 
I read a lot of meetings of these miraculous meetings where a lot of healings happen. I don't want to take the names of the people. A lot of these healing meetings that happened, do you know that the people fell sick within a week again? Not because the miracle did not happen, not because the miracle was fake, but because the miracles are just for that time to heal you completely from that, from that situation and crisis. But if you, don't, if you don't build your faith, you will not stay in the miracle. You might go back again. How, don't you think that the people whom Jesus healed, they died? Didn't they die? Didn't Lazarus die? But Jesus resurrected him. What did Jesus say? When he healed people, he said, don't sin anymore. Why? Because if you don't build yourself in that faith, you may lose that miracle. Because miracles are meant to be short-lived. Because they are there to defy every natural law. But you are not called to live in a miracle. You are called to live in a blessing. You are blessed. You are blessed. This whole unhealthy drive to move from miracle to miracle, do you understand that you are still in the wilderness rather than going and possessing the promised land which is your blessing? You're called to live in the promised land. And yes, as long as you know, we are here on this fallen earth, we will need miracles. But that's not our primary goal. Our primary goal is to live in the blessing. And the blessing comes by staying in God's word, by growing in faith. Do you have a testimony of miracle? No, I'm a man of faith. <laughs> divine healing. Right? How many of you like to see divine healing? Right now, at this time, I want to see divine healing over Christina's life. But do you know that divine health is better than divine healing? Stay in God's word. To possess what God has for you. Amen? Now, see what God says. Numbers 14. None of those who despised me shall see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and its descendants shall possess it. And God tells him, tell them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. What did they say? Your dead bodies shall flow in this wilderness. What, what did they keep murmuring, murmuring? Why did God bring us here? Did God bring us here so that we could die in the wilderness? That is exactly what happened. What you say, be careful of what you say. Be very careful of what you say. Proverbs 18.21 The power of life and death is in your tongue. Is in your tongue. Not just what you say during church. When you get out, what you say, the words that come out of your mouth, they are very powerful. And if you keep saying that again and again, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, you will be sick. It happened to them according to what they said. God said, I will do to them as they have spoken. And he says, 
The dead body shall fall in this wilderness and all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, the son of Nun. What happened? For the next 40 years, they are stranded in the wilderness going round and round the mountain, the same mountain that which they were meant to possess. It's just going round and round for 40 years until that entire generation dies in the wilderness. Right? And then God calls Joshua and they possess Jericho. But I want you to see what Caleb does. Now, Caleb is 85 years old. 40 years has passed. Even though he had the faith to possess the promised land, the people who were with him in his generation did not have the faith. So, his promise got delayed because of the people that were there with him, right? Now look at Joshua chapter 14. Verse, from verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Bernia concerning you and me. He's reminding Joshua of what they heard. How long was this ago? When did they hear? 45 years ago. Okay? 45 years ago is what they've heard. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Bernier to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people met. Yet I wholly follow the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Listen to this. What Moses said 45 years ago, Caleb still remembers it. That's the key. The reason why Caleb at the age of 85 still had that same boldness, same strength and had the same audacity to tell Joshua, give me that mountain, is this, that what he heard 45 years ago, he still remembers. How, how can you remember something that the Lord spoke to you 45 years ago? How can you remember? You don't remember what the pastor spoke last week. How can you remember something that the Lord spoke through a man of God 45 years ago? How can you remember? God spoke to me once, but I heard it twice. Do you know what that means? God spoke to me once, but I heard it twice. I heard it again and again. I brought it back to memory. I brought it back to memory. Every time I saw a giant, I brought back that word into memory. Every, saw, every time I faced that difficulty, I brought that word back into memory. When Moses died, Caleb brought that word into memory. I'm saying, when Joshua got appointed, he brought that back into memory. Anything that happened, he brought the word of the Lord into his memory. Every time he brought it into memory, it was as if, as God spoke to Moses right now. The word was as fresh as he just spoke to him a few minutes ago. Do you know you can have the same encounter as you had 25 years ago by just meditating on that word? 
that you had when you first had that encounter? Stay on God's word. Stay on God's word. Irrespective of how you're sandwiched, irrespective of what giants you have to face, stay on God's word. Don't let experiences define your interpretation of the word. Or maybe God must have said this. No, that's not what you recognized when you heard the word. Stay on that word. Stay on the word. 45 years later, Caleb still remembered and he went and possessed that land. The Bible says that he had the same strength that he had when he was 40 years old. If you stay on the word, you will not lose your strength. The Bible says, as your days are, so shall your strength be. Stay on the word. Stay on the word. What is the word that you have received? This year, as a church, we have received that this is a year of God's goodness. And it will overflow in abundance. So irrespective of what has happened in the first two weeks, oh man, we have faced challenges. But I'm telling you, those challenges are bread for us. They are bread for us. If God has brought us so far, just imagine. You can't even imagine, but try to imagine so that he can exceed your imagination. Imagine how much God can do in and through your life. Overflow. Overflow. Just because... You know, God said a word and it did not happen in your timeline does not negate the validity of God's word. Stay on God's word. Stay on God's word. All men be liars. All situation be liars. All circumstances be liars. All report be liars. But the word of the Lord be true. To have the audacity to stand on God's word like that. And not, not be tethered by the circumstances. Amen? Amen. That's why we still believe, irrespective of what the doctors say, we still believe that Christina will be out, she'll be healed. Amen? Amen. This, is, this, is a story, this is a testimony for us. Amen? So that we will see the God of hope filling us with all joy, all peace in believing. Amen? Do you believe that? Yeah? Okay. We are in joy. We are in a season of joy. Amen? Amen. So, just want to read this verse which we've been reading. Habakkuk chapter 3. And I'll end this Habakkuk chapter 3. Verse 17 to 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the wines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Why? Because the kingdom of joy, the kingdom of peace, the kingdom of righteousness is within you. That's why joy is a choice. We are not waiting for that feeling of joy to come to be joyful. We, by faith, make that choice of being joyful and that feeling comes. Amen? Amen? Are you guys excited? Yes.